2022 as we revisited it a couple of weeks ago and we uh, began uh, again just to dig in a little bit more last week uh, to this particular exciting journey of being a follower of Jesus. We looked last week at the excitement of beginnings, the beginning of following Jesus and uh, many of us perhaps were reminded of where it all began for us and that sense of calling that we felt when we heard those words to come and follow Jesus. And that sense of expectation and exuberance that marked those early days. So today I want to think about the struggle in the middle. <laughs> it's going to be a very happy sermon, as you can imagine. But next week we'll look at the potential of the end, okay? So uh, that, that's where we're heading today and next week as we conclude this look at what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus across the three stages of our lives. I know our lives probably have many more stages than that. But I just uh, wanted to think about the beginning, the middle, and the end. And I guess it's a reality of life, isn't it, that things change? Of course, things change. And uh, we'll all remember, I guess, the transition that we had from childhood and adolescence into adulthood. I don't know whether you were excited about becoming an adult or it felt a little bit scary that you'd become an adult, but there was definitely changes went on during that time. And that sort of freedom of childhood and adolescence perhaps just began to change into something that was a little more settled in our lives because things changed didn't they we had to push towards that place of settling that that sort of almost that magnetic attraction if you like that that change was on its way and we were going to have to take some responsibility in our lives for some of the things that were going to happen we were going to have to start to make different choices in our lives now, for some cultures, in some cultures, that transition from childhood, adolescence into adulthood uh, is a necessity as a means of survival. Things have to change because people have to survive. But for most of us in our culture, as we grew up, we suddenly were, were confronted with the need to make lots of choices. Suddenly we were sort of on our own, if you like, and we had to decide lots of different things. We had to take some decisions for ourselves. And that has a significant impact, of course, in, in how we follow Jesus as well. That things will change in the middle years of our journey of following Jesus. I think it's almost inevitable. For some, of course, that beginning doesn't match their age. And many adults come to faith in Jesus and start that journey as, as adults in that sort of place of maturity. I remember uh, my church, uh, when we were in Oldham, we had a lady come on Alpha who was in her 80s. And... Uh, she made a commitment to follow Jesus. She'd never been to church, which is quite unusual when you get to that age because you always think that everybody went to Sunday school in that sort of era, but she didn't. And at the age of 80, she made a, a commitment to follow Jesus for the first time. And we saw the transformation, the excitement of that new beginning in her life at that particular age. But of course, for many of us, by far the majority, the statistics were saying, many of us came to know Jesus when we, were, when we were younger. And so those middle years of our following Jesus tend to coincide with the middle years of our lives as well. That sort of 20 to, ooh, what's middle age these days? Anybody got a clue? Should we say 20 to 60? I don't know. Let, let, let's arbitrarily, that puts me in the old age category then. So we'll, we'll go 20 to 60 in those middle years. There are pressures that come, there are frustrations that come, there are disappointments that come during that time. And sometimes life can be a struggle, can't it? A new job, uh, new relationships begin, 
Uh, perhaps a mortgage is attached to us suddenly. New responsibilities, having to provide for the future, for pensions. All those things start to impinge on our lives. And we have to think about what's going to happen then. And so naturally, there's a place of settling. Cars, life insurance, another job. When am I going to move on from there? All sorts of things begin to change. And priorities change in us. Naturally, of course they do. Many people today, they live for a holiday, don't they? And as soon as they come back off the holiday, do you know what they're living for? The next holiday. Of course they are. That's of course what they say. I can't wait until the next one. And yet I think deeper, of course, in in us is this desire that we do want to make a difference still. So no matter that suddenly all these other things attach themselves to us, all these other necessary choices and changes that happen, deep inside we still want to make a difference. We want to make a difference to others. We want to make a difference to our family, to our friends. We want to make a difference in the job that we decide to do. We want to make a difference in the church as well. And so there's this struggle that goes on between what has to happen in our lives and this desire that's still deep in us when Jesus says, follow me. I still want you to follow me. And what does that look like in that sort of middle ground, that, that place where perhaps there's more tension in what, it, what that looks like? Now, if you look in the gospel accounts and you trace the, the story of the followers of Jesus, we, receive, we see how individuals responded immediately and the crowds followed with incredible intensity to hang on every word that Jesus had to say. But there are still moments in the gospel story because the gospel story doesn't sanitize what it looks like to follow Jesus. There are moments when individuals hesitated in their journey of following. And the crowds got incredibly frustrated by Jesus during that time as well. So what are some of the struggles? I've just just got a couple of struggles uh, this morning. And and you, you will add to this list, I'm sure, as you reflect on this later. So firstly, I want to talk about the struggle to give away what's been entrusted to us. The struggle to give away what's been entrusted to us. Now in the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, you'll probably know that the three servants were entrusted with differing amounts of of gold, of bags of money. One of them had five, one of them had two, one of them was given one. And the master went away and then he returned and he wanted to know what each of them had done with what they'd been given. And the five-bag guy, he had another five bags. Very smug, wasn't he? The two-bag guy, he had another two bags. He was very smug as well about it. But the one-bag servant, he just gave it back to the master. Now, the story, as Jesus tells it, has a very brutal, perhaps we might think even unfair ending for that one-bag guy. But I think the message is quite clear. There's a struggle to give away. There's a struggle to invest what we've been entrusted with. And the easy thing is just to keep it to ourselves. Of course, this story isn't just about money, is it? It's not just about bags of gold. It's about our lives. It's about the whole of our lives. When we want to keep, Jesus is inviting us to give. And that's where the struggle can often come in our lives. 
Maybe out of fear, we want to keep hold of what we've got. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe there's just too many distractions, and so it's safer to keep hold of what God has entrusted to us. Our priorities are all over the place at that time because suddenly we have different responsibilities for the time and the use of of what we have. Life gets complex, and faith can get complicated as well. And often in those middle years, there's sort of ups and downs in people's journey as a follower of Jesus. I've seen that happen many times in people's lives. When the exuberance of a beginning suddenly takes a dip when there is a struggle. And Jesus gets sort of sidelined in that, in that journey. Perhaps faith gets compromised, not just complicated. And then we've got the rich young man in Luke chapter 18 who faces that same struggle. He feels he's living a good life. He says, I've kept all the commandments. I'm doing okay. But Jesus said, there's one thing that you lack. There's one thing you're holding on to. In the case of the rich young man, it wasn't that he was a man or that he was young. It was the case that he was rich. And Jesus laser pointed to that problem that he had. This is what is stopping you. So go and give, sell it and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. See, we want to hold on to safety, but Jesus wants us to let go. This wasn't about wealth per se. This was wealth for that man. He couldn't let go. He couldn't risk what he'd been entrusted with. And then in John chapter 6, I think we have the saddest verse in the whole of the Bible for me. It happens to be John six sixty six, which is a bit weird but it does and that and that's what it is so having heard Jesus speak about suffering having heard him talk about eating his body and drinking his blood and getting a bit confused about that John records in chapter 6 verse 66 from this time many of his disciples not the crowd many of his followers many of his apprentices not just the 12 this is a bigger group than that many of his learners many of those who'd been following him many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him see the follow me of conversion that beginning is much easier than the follow me of commitment of that continuing journey we want to understand and that's what the crowd were getting confused about We want to understand what you're saying. This is too hard for us. But instead, Jesus invites us just to trust him. And as he challenged the 12 that day, his closest followers, it's Peter who overcomes the struggle. And although he would face several more struggles in his journey, John records, Lord, Peter saying, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I'm sure he was confused. But the resolution of his struggle was to say, where else are we going to go to get eternal life? And that was enough in that moment for the struggle to be overcome. It didn't make it a lot easier to follow Jesus, but it meant that he had committed himself. He trusted Jesus to say, there's nowhere else to go. I don't understand it all but I am prepared to struggle with it because you, Jesus, are far better than anything else that I could choose to follow. One writer, Ronald Rollheiser, he says, mature discipleship provides a lot more stability than excitement. (laughs) And I'm not saying there's no excitement in the middle ground. 
but often it's that stability that we need and long for. Because the call of Jesus to follow me looks different when we get into that middle period. But the invitation remains the same. Are you going to follow me? It's still simple. The middle is where we have the maturity and, and we can start living for things that are beyond ourselves. And that's what Jesus asks. That's what he challenged the young man about. That's what he challenged those disciples about. That's what he challenged Peter about. What are you going to live for? And will you give yourself away? And that brings me to the second struggle. I think it's the struggle to do what God asks us to do. You know, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, on his knees in the shadow of the cross, he cries out to the Father, Mark 14, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. That's the struggle, isn't it? The struggle that Jesus went through as well. Take this cup from me. I'd rather not go down this route. This is too difficult. This obedience is too tough for me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. And this is the agony, if you like. The agony it's like a contest. The, word, the, the Greek word used in, in the text, it, 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 it's like a com- contest at the Olympus Games. You know, the great Olympus Games that were a, a precursor later to the Olympic Games that we have now. And at those games, even the strong would crumble by the tests that they were put through to win the, the medal. It's an agony, and it's that that Jesus is going through in that moment. But like Jesus, we can resist it. We can contend with it we can overcome it and continue that journey to follow Jesus even in the struggle that we face Philippians 2 verse 7 Paul writes Jesus took the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient and that was the key by becoming obedient So how can we do it? How can we get through the struggle in the middle? Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. Paul writes this. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you received him, the excitement of beginnings, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, And overflowing with thankfulness. Stay rooted in Jesus. Grow each day. Strengthen your faith. Overflow with thankfulness. And keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. I think that's how we struggle in the middle. That's how we overcome in the light of Jesus himself. You know, when Jesus was arrested, Matthew 26 says that Peter followed at a distance. Now that's a safe place to be, but it's not a secure place. And a few days later, after the resurrection, on the beach, in John chapter 21, What does Jesus say to Peter? Follow me. And now Peter knew what that really meant. 
that struggle that he had been through resolved itself in that moment to say, I'm still going to follow you, Jesus. Now I know what I know, I'm still going to follow you because where else could I go to receive the gift of eternal life? If you're feeling a struggle, or maybe you've reflected on some of the struggles you've been through, reaffirm your response, just as Peter did, as you hear the call again, the call of Jesus to just follow me. And this is what our communion is about today, isn't it? It's that invitation. That invitation again, just to affirm what we know about Jesus in his death and his resurrection as we pause to give thanks, to acknowledge his goodness to us and once again to say, Jesus, I will follow you. Where else can I go to receive love and life and grace and forgiveness? It's only you, Jesus, and I'm going to fix my eyes again on you.